My name is Jamie Piles. I joined Samaritan in December of 1996. We were homeschooling our kids and we were already thinking outside the world's box, if you will. And I saw a little tiny classified ad about this new kind of idea I'd never heard of before. My first reaction was, that's the kind of thing that we would do, isn't it? And so I finally called the number, talked to them, and the more I asked them questions, the more I liked their answers. Hey y'all, welcome to Cross Politics on the Fight Laugh Feast Network. It's good to be with you this this Monday. He closed his laptop. Pastor Toby, Chalk Knox, I'm the water boy. We got a special guest. Wow, that's what it takes. Yeah, yeah. Spe- special uh, guest. That, not, not, now you're so, not going to surf I'm, the internet. I'm going to let you you're introduce our, our, oh, our boy. guest. Do a plug, introduce yeah. a guest, and then okay. I got you, I got you, the first I question. I don't like the look on your I face. I got the first question. I don't question. like the look on your face, Gabe. Yeah. Okay. So, first of all, how are you paying for your health care, and how is it working out for you? If it's working perfectly, great. Uh, you know, you can keep it, as Obama once said. <laughs> no, if, no. If it's, if it's not working out, then listen closely, because I have a solution for you. And it's a biblical solution. Samaritan Ministries is a community of Christians who pay one another's medical bills. I know, because I've used it. That's right. I actually right. am currently using it. Here's how it works. When a medical need arises, you choose the provider that's right for you. Let's say Toby has a rash. <laughs> Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> and you, you, you can basically decide what kind of treatment you want. Uh, even if it's a non-conventional approach, your medical bills are then shared with fellow members and yeah. your need is covered both in prayer and uh, financially. Yeah, It's affordable. You can join anytime. You can even join today. Uh, learn more, though, at the very least, if you're not familiar with Samaritan Ministries, um, look them up, SamaritanMinistries.com. Org, SamaritanMinistries.org, and slash CrossPolitik will tell them that we that, sent you. And that so, you love us. Yeah. And, okay, both. A little of both. <laughs> a little bit of yeah. both. Dr. Larry Schweikart went to Arizona State University, received a BA in political science, uh, an MA from ASU in history, and then a PhD from University of California, Santa Barbara. Since 1985, he's taught at the University of Dayton. Schweikart's best-selling books include seven events that made America America, mm. 48 liberal lies about American history. Only 48. And, <laughs> and his number one New York Times bestseller with Mike Allen, A Patriot's History of the United States. Dr. Schweikart, thank you for joining us on Cross Politic. Good. Glad to be here. So um, I got first question. Because, I, I know. Because Larry, Larry's kind of held a special place in, in our family. Oh. So my, my dad knew Larry. Okay, um, and they were actually in 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 uh, a band together back in the uh, uh, was it um, early seventies, Larry? Oh no, it'd be like late sixties. L- yeah, okay, uh, late sixties. And um, I think I think my dad actually told me when he told me stories about you, Larry, and, and the band. I think he said that that was the only band he ever played in that actually had a chance to to go anywhere. Well, I think we did make a, a record with him. Yes. Yeah. That's right. Wow. And wow. and then um, Larry, but here's the question I have for you because uh, Larry has an autobiography out and he actually mentions my dad in it a couple times. And my dad became a Christian um, early, oh man, 70, was it 69, 70, 70, somewhere, somewhere around that time frame. Uh, Larry, you were already a Christian before that. And right. and my, my dad was a turd or something and you guys had a falling out. What 
what happened? And then later on, you know, you kind of rekindled, you re, you met my dad again later on as, as he's a Christian and a lot more fun to hang out with. Well, I don't ever recall having a uh, disagreement with him over music. Yeah. Um, and he was in and out of the band because he would go to Fullerton to be with your family. Yeah. And then he'd come back for a little while and we'd play together a little while. Um, so I think the falling out was later over theological issues. And we finally said, oh, it doesn't matter all that much. <laughs> what did you play, Larry? What instrument did you play? Drums. Ah, like it's you. the only instrument for a band. Come on, it's all now. you need. Come you know, flying the family stone said, "All you need is a drummer." That's right. Me and you gonna be all right, Larry. <laughs> so I remember my dad telling stories about you and that band. He really, he really liked that band. He thought it was one is one of the what most was, talented bands. What was the name played. of the band? I forget. What was the name of the band? We Larry? played. You know, the name was uh, Motley Array. Uh, this is before Motley Crue came along with okay. their nickname. Yeah. And uh, I remember we played a battle of the bands over. This is after he had quit, gone over to California, then come back. Yeah. And we played a battle of the bands over at uh, Rendezvous Park in Mesa. And we lost. And it, it just we had we were great that day. We played uh, a long version of Southern Man. We played something by Blood Rock. And we were so good that the judges, one of the judges said, wait a minute, I want to give you guys a recording contract, oh, wow. even though we didn't win the Battle of the Bands. So we got a, a record deal out of it for one record. Wow. Well, that's fun. Uh, there you go. So that's why. So I've known Larry for a long time, and I've never yeah. had a good excuse to actually call him up on the phone and never? just kind of talk old shop. So really? I was like, I'm going to get Larry on the show so I can talk to him about my dad. What? That's it. <laughs> wow. Well, well, good cross Baltic episode. We'll see you tomorrow. Um, no. <laughs> well, then later we went on. I went on with a different band to open for Steppenwolf, the James Gang, Savoy Brown. Oh, wow. Hung out with the Allman Brothers. Um, the the Who sat through our set at the Troubadour, which was wow. an incredible night. So uh, we got uh, almost famous, as the movie says. Yeah. So, Larry, speaking of the battle of the bands. <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah. Um, That's good. Totally. Is is Trump going to win in 2024? Um, you know what Yoda says in uh, in one of the Star Wars movies is, uh, always in motion is the future, right? <laughs> you never know. Um, there, there's, there are too many um, free radicals out there to really pin things down. Um he would definitely win the vote. He would win the popular vote, which is astounding for a Republican. I think he'd probably get around 80 million votes. But how many votes will they count? Are they going to count 85? Are they going to count 90? Richard Barris, the bolster, thinks they're going to manufacture close to 90 million votes yep. this time around. Yeah. So remains to be seen. I, I haven't seen any significant uh, work done on on vote fraud anywhere in the country, a little bit in Georgia, but but in the three big states, Wisconsin, Michigan, Pennsylvania, nothing. Well, well, this is interesting because you act like the Santas isn't even like a thing. Like you just walk right over the Santas into the. No, he's not. The Santas is not a thing. You can you can mark that down. <laughs> I, I, it's interesting that Robert Kennedy Jr. on the Democrat side is closer to Joe Biden than DeSantis is to Trump on the Republican side. Now, I am a little surprised in the last three weeks that Vivek Ramaswamy has not made a bigger charge than he had. At one point, he was up to about nine percentage points. He seems to have dropped back down now to three, four 
uh, five points. I think a lot of that is all these other people, the Tim Scotts and the Nick Nack Haley, as I call her, all these people mm. coming in to uh, siphon votes away from Vivek. But it's not siphoning votes off Trump. He's still poll. Barris's poll for Florida came out yesterday. Trump's increased his lead in Florida to 20 points now. So, no, DeSantis is not a thing. Larry, so, Larry I, I'm, I mean, uh, help uh, convince me to vote for Trump. I, 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 uh, I, I didn't vote for him the first time. I, I voted for him the second time and, but everything he says makes me not want to vote for him again. I would say everything he does made me want to vote for him 50 times over. He took us out of Trans-Pacific uh, Partnership. That alone, folks, would have killed this country. That one move would have decimated this country. He he pulled us out of the Paris Accord. That was the green energy deal all over the place. That would have killed this country. He named three home-run Supreme Court justices. Mm -hmm. That alone has stymied the enemy for, for years. Uh, he had unemployment at record low levels uh, since really the 1920s. He had black unemployment at record low levels. Uh, I could give you a hundred different. He had two thirds of the border wall built with no help whatsoever from Congress. And he did all of this with the whole deep state aligned against him with with uh, everybody coming after him for two years under investigation. I think they owe him another term after this term if he wins. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> wait a second. Hold on here. So, so Larry, you're you're a his, history sensei. Where are we at in the cycle of history that we're in this moment with you know Trump, Biden, Hillary Clinton, FBI? Like, what's your how's your history informing you in this moment? There has never been another moment in American history where the lawlessness at the national level has been so acute and so out there, they don't care anymore, but they just totally disregard all forms of law. Um, we've just never seen anything like this. I mean, we thought Clinton was bad 30 years ago, and, uh -huh. and this guy makes makes Clinton sort of look like Churchill. I mean, it's <laughs> it's just outrageous, the level of lawlessness that's going on uh, at the federal level. And we see it, of course, at many of the state levels, including uh, Arizona. Wow. Wow. So I, I got to go back to the voting for Trump thing, because I, I, I think it's easy to look at all the things that he's done that's been helpful. But there's been a lot of stuff that's put us in kind of a different light since COVID. Um, that was not a good time. Whatever things he 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 did that was good for us, he set us up pretty bad during COVID. We got Fauci. Okay, name for me one thing he did during COVID. That Fauci. Was bad. He didn't fire Fauci. Operation Warp Speed. He could not fire Fauci. That is an absolute fallacy that the president has the right to fire a civil servant. Can't do it. Federal law. Next. How, how did Fauci get into that position? Ronald Reagan. What? So did he hire him? Did Ronald hire Ronald him? Ronald Reagan appointed Dr. Fallacy, as I call him, <laughs> back so, in 1986. Awesome. So then the president can't remove him from that position? He can appoint, but can't remove. No. He's a civil service appointee. Now, here's another great reason to vote for Trump. Just as he was going out, he was setting up a shift 
to where you could get rid of the civil service type employees with what is called Schedule F, uh, which basically turns them into regular old employees. If you don't do the job, we can fire you. And of course, not getting reelected ended that that Schedule F. So that's something we desperately need and don't have. What about Operation Warp Speed? Okay. Let me go back. Let's because we're talking history here. Let's go back to January 2020. Not a single major doctor anywhere on any continent said anything except this. This pandemic is real. It's going to kill millions of people worldwide and probably kill 20 million people in America. That's what everybody heard. There was no dissent on that. Tucker Carlson was arguing for lockdowns and the vax. Steve Bannon was arguing for lockdown and the vax. You could not find one major media person or one major doctor saying anything other than this was going to be a massive disaster if we didn't lock down. Now, who comes out first and says we need to unlock the country? Donald J. Trump. He said it in March 2020. He said we need to be open by Easter 2020. He was already distancing himself from Fauci, and I could give you 20 links on this, by April 2020. Who was the first governor to open up? Well, Christy Noma, South Dakota, because they never even locked down. Right. Who was the second one? Brian Kemp of Georgia. They unlocked sooner than DeSantis did. DeSantis was touting the value of the vaxes at least one month into this. And then he finally correctly changed his position. But let me remind you something else, guys. Right now, 82 percent of Americans have been vaccinated once. Over 50 percent of Americans have been vaccinated twice. Mm. If you want to run on anti-vax, Forget it. You're done. Because a majority of Americans, I did not get the vax. I hate the vax. I think it's poison. But a a majority of Americans do not see it that way. And even of that small percentage who got it now regret it, they're going to make a very small difference in anything. So so here's where I'm at, Larry, on this same same story as Toby a little bit. uh, and I would love to hear your take on why Trump won. I saw your book on that, why Trump won in 2016. But I didn't vote for Trump in 2016 because I, I figured we deserved Hillary Clinton as a country because <laughs> we're we're just. Decided. I didn't deserve her. I never deserved Hillary Clinton or can- Cankles, as I affectionately refer to her. <laughs> oh, and, Ow. and so, but Trump, to your point, he did a lot of good in uh, in his presidency, and I could. I could trust him based off some of the things he did good. I had a, I had a real um, hard time with how he handled Fauci, and I had a real hard time with Operation Warp Speed, but it was between Biden and Trump, and I, it was an easy vote for me in 2020. Um, now I'm in this situation where uh, Trump is starting to say things that are really bothering me, like you know um, he's, he's making fun of or, or against Ron DeSantis and the six-week abortion uh, uh, ban on abortion. Like He's been uh, outspoken about that recently. Um, politically, yes. Politically. He's not talking about morals here. He's saying politically it's a bad move. And politically it is. Barris's polling shows that for good or bad, the vast majority of Americans are at the point where six weeks is too early, past 16 weeks is too late. And, and on either side of that, you're going to alienate large numbers of people either way. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that's maybe that's kind of also getting a little bit to the heart of, of my frustration with the Republican Party, where 
we want to be a big tent. And especially when we're losing, like we lost, a, we're basically we're losing right now. We don't have the, we don't have the Senate. We don't have the executive branch. Um, we barely have the house. And so when Republicans feel like they're losing, they start kind of broadening their message when, and trying to broaden this tent in a way that I think is unhelpful for the future of the Correct. Republican party. And, and I, I agree. And if there's a, okay, so there's some interesting studies out there. There's a book called the great revolt by Selena Zito, um, not counting how Trump won, where we went into a lot of this. And Zito was one of the first reporters in Pennsylvania in 2015-16 to say, hey, you know what? Trump's going to win Pennsylvania. Hmm. And she did this uh, book after the 2016 election where they interviewed only Trump supporters, thousands and thousands. Of, they just giant poll, but they also engaged in very deep interviews, along with a friend of mine named um, uh, Jack Kubowski. And his book is called Bellwether Blues. Oh, yeah. But oh, yeah. both oh, yeah. of them we, we had came to the same conclusion, which was there is a massive what Rich Barris calls an undervote. And these people hate Democrats and they hate Republicans, but they love Donald Trump. And they will come out hmm. in an election where Donald Trump is on the ticket, but they will not come out in the 2018 midterm or the 2022 midterm because Trump is not on the ticket. And Barris's polling found that this number amounts to about 10 to 13 million people who will stay home if Trump is not on the ticket. They mm. will stay home if it's DeSantis. They will stay home if it's Tim Scott. They will stay home if it's Nick Knack Haley. They will stay home. Mm. Wow. That's interesting. So you're that, looking at a massive loss yeah. if it's anybody at Trump, but Trump on that ticket. So the only thing that we need to worry about is not getting out the votes. We need to worry about stopping the fraud. That's mm. And that's why you felt like he lost this last time or you think it was just fraud? I think, yes, I think there's no way Rutabaga, that's my affectionate name for Joe Biden. There's no way Rutabaga got 81 million votes. I'm guessing in in legitimate terms, he probably got 66, 67 million votes. They had six months of COVID to harvest votes, to make up ballots. I mean, we just had a story yesterday of a guy who drove 280,000 phony ballots into Pennsylvania. Uh, you know, the 2000 mule shows you that if you go through this, you're looking at an additional 20 million votes out there. Hmm. So I, I think it was almost all fraud. And uh, that's why I say Trump will probably get 75 to 80 million votes next time. How do you stop the fraud? Well, if that that's the that's the question, if that's the case, why is it that they don't win the next time, too? How do you stop the fraud? Well, so let me back up just a little bit. Sure. So if the Republican Party nationally has understood this and they want DeSantis to win because he's, quote, Trump without the baggage. And you may have heard this phrase that you want to have false staff and have him thin. You know, you want yeah. to have Johnny Winter and have him play the accordion. I mean, come on. Uh, it, you, you get Trump with all of his baggage. It, but if you want DeSantis thinking he's going to be Trump without the baggage. OK, my question is. What has the Republican Party nationally done to stop the fraud? And the answer is nothing. Hmm. Wait, so, so, so what do we do about that? So it would behoove us all to as much as possible start smaller vote gathering, vote harvesting organizations. Uh, Rich Barris was on with uh, Sean Parnell 
uh, Pennsylvania yesterday, and Parnell knows uh, Pennsylvania politics, and he says the vote harvesting is not coming from the DNC. It's coming from dozens and dozens and dozens of these little vote harvesting PAC operations funded by Soros that are they're out there at work now. So the first thing we need to do is to start building up our own vote harvesting organizations. The second ray of hope I have is that they aren't going to have six months of COVID this time under which to conceal the 2,000 mules and the vote harvesting. It's going to have to all be compacted into less than a month. And we are aware of it. And this time we will have more people watching to the extent they aren't kicking us out of the uh, the vote um, counting uh, process buildings yeah. the way they did in yeah. in 2020. Wow. So I, I'm, I've, I've heard some of this talk happen and I just I can't believe my ears. So you're actually saying we should start harvesting votes just like they are. Sure. It's it's, a, it's perfectly legal. Yeah. And and, and ex- why ex- wouldn't you do it if it's perfectly legal? What, and expl- but, but yeah. expl- explain what it is. OK. Harvesting means that you, that you make sure you get a ballot out in the hands of every single registered voter who is either a Democrat or who is an independent likely to vote for you. Then you go out and you make sure with a ground campaign, we used to call it poll flushing back in the day. Uh, I would go in at at four o'clock in the afternoon and they would say, "Okay, we have all these names here who haven't voted yet. Go get them. And we would send people out to to go get them. Right. This is vote flushing on steroids. you, You go out and you start getting these people out. 30, 40 days out and making sure that every single ballot that's out there that even remotely has a chance of being voted for Republican is sent back in. Got it. Got it. So, so, but, but we were ballot, just complaining about all this. Ballot though. harvesting is, is, is not um, filling out ballots for other people. It, it's making, it's, it's trying to get ballots into every likely voter's hands. Yeah. And then if necessary, hand carrying, uh, delivering those those Box com- of ballots. completed ballots uh, to the polling stations. Yeah. All, all the complaints that I remember about this last election was that they were harvesting ballots. And we mm-hmm. complained about that so much. And if it was legal to do, why were we complaining about it so much? Because <laughs> Rona McRombush, as I call her, she she is clueless when it comes to strategy. We have a phenomenal guy named Scott Pressler who goes out and registers people right and left all around this country. He should be in charge of the Republican Party. But instead, we get Rona McCrombush. And her solution to all this was to have a website where you report vote fraud. And so that's not going to do it. What you need to do is start these little pack groups all around every state. And I wouldn't even waste time in California or, yeah. or New York. That's right. Although I saw a study yesterday that said New York is turning slightly redder. Um, nevertheless, I wouldn't waste time in those. I'd hit the big seven or eight states, Arizona, Georgia, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, Michigan, Ohio, Iowa, and um, Nevada. And, and I would start hammering them, hammering them, hammering them one year out and, and making sure that that everybody who can even breathe, <laughs> if you catch my drift, <laughs> who is a Republican, <laughs> sends in their ballot. Wow. Yeah, I'm not sold yet that this is the way. I mean, but, that was but, just, but these is all came out of COVID voting rules and regulations. How, all these states. However, Gabe. Yeah. Yes and no. Um, there's a movie called Gangs in New York. 
yeah. that correctly shows how voting took place in New York City in the 1850s. And the Democrats, in this case, would go in. Republicans did it, too. Republicans knew how to cheat a lot better in the 1800s than they do today. They're very bad cheaters today. <laughs> they used to be good at it. But, but in New York, they would go to all the bars and they would herd all these guys down saying, now you're going to vote for uh, Boss Tweed. And um, they would make sure they voted for Boss Tweed. Soon as they were done, they would take them out, shave them, put a different coat on them, put them right back in line. Now, oh, they didn't oh, have oh. driver's licenses then, which makes us a little harder today. But right. <laughs> And that was bad, right? That was bad. Okay, but okay. I just want to make do sure. You, do you want to win an election? I mean, I, I think part of cost. the issue here is how bad do Republicans really want to win? And there is a significant uh, theory out there held by a lot of people. The Republicans really don't want to win because then they'd have to govern and then they'd have to make people mad at them <laughs> because they'd have to make certain choices. Ouch. What what they really want to do is lose gracefully, hence the John McCain, Mitt Romney yeah. or Minion Romney, as I call him, the Minion Romney crowd who is all about losing gracefully. Wow. That's that's what a lot of Republicans like Haley and Scott and all these people are all about is losing gracefully. So, so Larry, um, we're, this is an honest question. I actually, I'd love if my dad were alive today, ask him this, the same question. I, 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 it seems to me that the previous generation of Republican leadership has really let us down. Like I, you, you know, you think <laughs> well, what's wrong with your people? <laughs> <laughs> My tribe? <laughs> yeah. What's wrong? What's wrong with your generation? Why? Why did they set us up for this kind of failure in politics? Um, a lot of this came, I think, from the 1995 budget showdown uh, with mm. with Newt Gingrich and Bill Clinton, mm. and, and I think that the failure in that, when they were all attacked by the media for no reason. I mean, it was all lies, but it didn't matter. They were attacked and they were demonized. And a lot of those people never wanted to go through that again. Mm. And as a result, they kind of backed down and, and were more timid and, um, you know, just just didn't want to fight. That's and then there's a great book. I, it's over there. I can't hold it up right now. It's called Generations by Gene Twenge, T-W-E-N-G-E. Okay. And uh, it, it kind of looks at the old generations book by Neil Strauss and William Howe that said there are these cycles that we go through in American history. Problem is right now we have broken that cycle. We're not behaving like the cycle usually mm. does, which is my generation should have stepped up and, and kind of been the uh, I'm sorry, the Gen X should have stepped up and been the the heroes who bail us out of this and do the right thing and do the patriotic thing. Instead, they become extremely subservient to government. Do whatever government tells you. Take the vax. Okay. Don't, don't protest. Don't try and change anything. And, and um, explaining their mentality is something that we don't have time for. Right now. <laughs> uh, we'll have to do that another time. Wow. So I, I just have to oh, go ahead. Pastor. I, I have one question. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. I, I want to know. Do you have a nickname for Gabe? Oh, <laughs> no, I do not. Oh, okay. I, I don't usually have nicknames for good people, good guys. Oh, okay. no, stop. Uh, <laughs> I only reserve it for for the okay. like Nancy Pelosi was botoxic. <laughs> oh, 
Mitch McConnell's Yurtle. Yeah. Yurtle. Yurtle. Chris Christie is Jersey Shore. Yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> That's hilarious. As in the entire Jersey Shore. No, no, no. I, I, we got it. We got I, it. I, I, put that, I heard the okay, poetry. I want to say something, though, because Gabe asked this earlier. Yeah. Because he was asking, how did Trump win in 2016? And there were a lot of things Trump did in 2016 that, um, Obviously, he had this base of the undervote of 10 to 12 million people who were going to show up that had never been tapped before. And this surprised everybody. Something else he did that was extremely important were the rallies. And people Mm. downplayed these rallies and said, oh, well, so what? He gets 15,000 people to a rally. It wasn't about the number of people he got to a rally, although in some ways it was because they got the names of all those people and they could get a hold of them and send them out. To, to go and ballot harvest or do whatever. But um, what was even more important was he made an end run around the media yeah, by going right. to local media yep. that the national media wouldn't cover him in the same way. Hmm. The same way Reagan could do an end run around the media by going into presidential addresses to the American people. But by Trump's time, you couldn't do that because the national media wouldn't cover him. They simply wouldn't. People kept saying, well, why doesn't he do a town hall and explain this? They won't cover him. And we're seeing Bobby Kennedy have the same problem here is the media will not cover him. So I came up with an idea a couple of days ago. Trump and RFK Jr. need to do a pay-per-view town hall. Hmm. Hmm. Okay. A pay-per-view. Wow, that's oh, it. Yeah, that's wrestling. divide that's divide WWE the money going. between the campaigns. Yeah, wow. and, and this I bet you this would generate fifty five million people. Wow, that that is oh, that's interesting. That all right, strange. so all right, before I don't know do, why I'm not on Trump's team. I, I, don't yeah, know. I was going <laughs> to ask you how much is he paying you? Um, before we go, I want to ask you: the Republican Party right now is making some very interesting choices. They're seeming to pair up with the whole LGBTQ movement and. As you've you've been around for a while, you've seen kind of the history of the Republican Party. Are they going to survive this? Because, man, this is not looking very healthy ethically for them. Correct. And and of, of course, you're going to have a split there between those. Same thing that happened with immigration. You're, you're going to have a split between those who want to stand up for traditional family, closed borders, America first economy, uh, pro-gun, uh, anti-abortion, wherever it's feasible. Um, you know, we saw what happened in Kansas and we saw what happened in Montana. Uh, when you try to go too far with the abortion laws, you're going to lose big. And if you lose everything big, well, there's not too much left to stand for if you can't get a, a voice in, in politics. So I agree that the Republican Party is on the verge of a a major split. Um, mm. But I think the MAGA section of that uh, – <laughs> DeSantis is not going to get one of those 13 million Trump voters. Trump is going to get a lot of the DeSantis voters only mm. because they're going to go, I don't want Rutabaga again for four more years or worse, Campuchia Harris. PatriotsHistoryUSA.com. <laughs> 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 oh, is there any other place that people can go to? Are you on internet? Are you on Twitter? Please tell me you're on Twitter. Yes. Yeah, at Larry Swikart. Okay, we can go there. And uh, you can get all my great nicknames there on Twitter. Good. On uh, YouTube, on my Wild World History channel, Monday, Wednesday, Friday at noon Eastern, I am reading through Patriots History of the United States. And I make extensive commentary and discussion. So we just got to the Battle of Lexington. 
And then I have a wildworldofpolitics.com site where I mostly talk politics. And uh, there's all sorts of stuff on there. By the way, guys, I'm trying to turn Patriots history into a John Adams Sons of Liberty type video series, the mm. chosen type video. Okay. And we're financing it with Buy Larry a Coffee. So go watch the trailer there at wildworldofhistory.com. You can like it. Buy me a coffee or buy me 500 coffees. <laughs> I promise Wild. I won't use it on drumsticks. Wildworldofhistory.com. That's great. That's Larry, great, Larry. Thank you for joining us. Appreciate you very much. Thank you, guys. If you're single, get married. If you're married, have you some kids. And if you have kids, go baptize them. Until next time, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Go fight, laugh, and feast. This is Cross Politics. Home, it's where you build your legacy, where traditions are started, seeds are planted, meals are shared, and stories are told. We are Chris and Natalie Carpenter, owners of Story Real Estate, and our team of top agents helps people find homes in Moscow, Idaho, and around the country. Have you thought about a move? Contact us to get connected with a top agent who shares your values and puts your family first or reach out to us about our Moscow Relocation Guide. Wherever you're looking to go, we can help you find home. Call us at Story Real Estate or visit us at storyrealestate.com and start building your legacy. The Word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and marrow. Through the Spirit, God's Word changes lives it cuts us to the heart and reshapes us. As you strive to read and study scripture, having a good set of tools can help. From setting reminders for a great reading plan to word studies and commentaries that shed light on difficult passages to listening on the go, the Olive Tree Bible app can help you dig into the word wherever you are. Olive Tree Bible app, read, study, listen, anywhere.